It's Thursday at 3 o'clock, and you are listening to the Eagle's Nest on Weagle 91.1 FM, talking all things sports with a special focus on our Auburn Tigers here on the Plains. Your calls are welcome at 334-844-9345 or 334-844-WEAGLE, and you can also find me on Instagram at Locke. Let's climb into the nest. Welcome into the Eagle's Nest. As always, I'm your host, Daniel Locke. We have a loaded show today, and we're going to get right into it. It's been pretty fun recently in college basketball. Uh, I'm going to start with last Saturday and kind of work my way over into what's going on this weekend. Um, not just Auburn, but everyone. So, some notable. There were a lot of like big matchups, some upsets on Saturday. Um, getting this one out of the way first, Alabama. The 16th-ranked Alabama Crimson Tide traveled out to Seattle to take on the number three Gonzaga Bulldogs at Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington. And it's funny, they say it's a neutral site game, but it's not. I mean, that's just, that's a marketing ploy, but yeah. Alabama got it done 91-82. to Jaden Shackelford had 28 points. Drew Timmy had 23 that has got to be one of the most notable days ever, not just for Alabama basketball, but in Alabama athletics in general. As just before this game, Alabama pulled off a pretty decent upset in the SEC championship game. I feel like a lot of people saw it coming, but very exciting nonetheless. I'm not going to take anything away from the Crimson Tide. That was awesome. The 10th-ranked Arkansas Razorbacks hosted the University of Arkansas at Little Rock. Arkansas ultimately got it done 93-78, to but Little Rock held around, held their own for a very long time. For Arkansas, IUD's Tony had 18 points, and for Little Rock, Marco Lukic had 23. UConn hosted Grambling. UConn did get the win 88-59, to but it's another one of those where Grambling hung around for a little while. Your leading scorer for UConn was R.J. Cole with 18 points. Cam Christian for Grambling also had 18 points. The 18th-ranked Memphis Tigers traveled down to DeGrove over in Oxford to take on the Ole Miss Rebels. Ole Miss pulled this upset off 67-63. to Jarkel Joyner had 20 points for Ole Miss. DeAndre Williams had 13 for Memphis. Number 20, USC, went on the road to face off against Washington State. USC got it done 63-61. Chavez Goodwin had 14 points for the Trojans. And Michael Flowers had 13 points for Washington State. Our beloved Auburn Tigers, who are looking awesome this year, faced off against the Yale Bulldogs. Auburn pulled off the 86-64 win. Katie Johnson had 19 points, and Matthew Cotton had 14 points for the Yale Bulldogs. And, you know, that was a a lot of fun. I was doing media for this game, and believe me, it was so hard to not cheer when Auburn did something good. And, of course, the one game where I can't – well, Auburn always does good stuff – but the one game where I am forbidden from cheering, they have a ton of crazy dunks, alley-oops. Dylan Cardwell does his usual thing, which any Auburn fan will tell you is very, very exciting. The 23rd-ranked Wisconsin Badgers hosted Marquette. Wisconsin did get it done 89-76, but Marquette was competitive for a long time. Johnny Davis had 25 points for the Badgers, and Justin Lewis had 14 for Marquette. And that is about it for the slate from last Saturday of games that really stuck out to me. There are a few good ones on Sunday. As we look in here, and Ryder hosted Marist. I know a lot of people have probably never heard of either of those schools. However, I had this game on my ESPN Plus just for something to do. Demetra Vaughn had 28 points for, um, sorry, I lost my place here. 
Gotcha. Yeah, D'Angelo Vaughn had 28 points for Ryder, and Ricardo Wright had 27 points for Marist. A very fun game. Um, I'm going to watch these schools every time they're on ESPN+, Plus, mainly because of those two. I think that they'll be playing at the next level. A lot of good action in the, over in the ACC as the unranked North Carolina Tar Heels traveled down to Atlanta to face off against the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. North Carolina got it done 79-62. R.J. Davis had 23 points for the Tar Heels. Michael DeVoe had 13 points for the Yellow Jackets. On Tuesday, the sixth-ranked Villanova Wildcats traveled up to Syracuse, New York to take on the Orange. Villanova got this one done 67-53. Justin Moore had 18 points for Villanova. Jimmy Boheim had 21 points for Syracuse. I didn't realize that Coach Boheim of the Orange has two sons playing for him now. That's pretty cool. I always like seeing stuff like that. And tonight... Pitt hosts Colgate. That'll be a pretty interesting game. I'm looking forward to watching it. Tomorrow night, DePaul is going to face off against Louisville. That'll be an interesting one, perhaps. Not really sure how that will go. This Saturday, a lot of action. Syracuse hosts Georgetown. Clemson hosts Drake. That is part of the Holiday Hoops Giving event. I will be present at this one. And looking, hopefully looking forward to a big um, Auburn victory before Clemson and Drake play. Number 23, Seton Hall, hosts number 7, Texas. That's a very interesting game. I think that Texas is going to pull it off, but I'm interested to see how it goes. Like I, yeah, like I mentioned previously, number 18, Auburn, is hosting, or not hosting, but basically hosting Nebraska in Holiday Hoops Giving at State Farm Arena in Atlanta. I'll be doing media for this game. Looking forward to that. Number 21, Ohio State hosts number 22, Michigan at 11. I don't know why tickets are so cheap to this game. Um, You have two ranked teams playing each other, but they're only $3. So if you're in the greater Columbus area, I would highly recommend heading over to this game. Texas is traveling over to Norman to take on the Oklahoma Sooners at 12:30. That's going to be a big one. And number 19, Michigan State hosts Penn State. You know, Penn State's uh, pulled off a few wins this year. They're looking pretty solid. So I wouldn't be surprised if you know Penn State was able to pull this one off. That is about all of the college basketball talk I'm going to do today, because. Everyone knows I love MMA, I love the UFC, and this weekend there's a big UFC event and we're going to break it down. UFC 269 main event, Dustin Poirier is fighting Charles Oliveira for the lightweight belt, and I'm just going to break down every fight on the card, early prelims, prelims, and main card. Starting at the very beginning, in a women's flyweight bout, Priscilla Cachiera Jillian Robertson. Jillian is a heavy favorite, minus 400 odds. I'm going with her. In a much closer bantamweight bout, Randy Costa is facing off against Tony Kelly. Randy's the favorite, minus 195 to win. However, I'm going to go with with, um, Tony Kelly to get it done. In a featherweight contest, Ryan Hall is taking on Derek Minner. I'm going to roll with Ryan. He is a minus 220 favorite. Uh, I think he'll pick up that win. In a men's flyweight bout, Alex Perez, who is the number fourth fly, men's flyweight, takes on Matt Schnell, who is the number nine men's flyweight. Alex is a decently heavy favorite, minus 335 odds. I'm not sure why two guys ranked that highly are fighting in early prelims, but it just goes to show that this card is epic. In a women's flyweight contest, the 13th ranked women's flyweight in the world, Miranda Maverick, is facing off against Aaron Blanchfield. This one, the odds here are decently narrow, minus 145 for Miranda, plus 125 for Aaron. I'm going to go with Aaron to pull the upset. And the final early prelim in a middleweight bout, Eric Anders, who many people know played football at the University of Alabama. He was part of the 2009 national championship team. He is facing off against the 15th-ranked middleweight in the world, Andre Munez. I'm going to go with Eric to get this one done. He's been working hard. 
I think he pulls the upset here, and I think if he does, he deserves to be ranked, especially if he does it convincingly. So moving on to the regular prelims in a middleweight bout, Bruno Silva is taking on Jordan Wright. Bruno is a pretty sizable favorite here with minus 335 odds to win. I'm going to go with him. In a heavyweight bout, the 11th ranked heavyweight in the world, Augusto Saki, is taking on Tai Tuvesa. Augusto's odds to win are minus 105, so I'm gonna I'm going with the upset here. I think Tai gets it done. In another ranked bantamweight bout, number eight Pedro Munhaz face off against number nine Dominic Cruz. This one is dead even. The odds are minus 110 for both. Very close. I'm gonna go with Cruz. In the final prelim fight, it is a featherweight bout. The number 7th featherweight, Josh Emmett, is facing off against the number 9th featherweight, Dan Ige. I am going to go with Dan Ige. His odds are plus 140, but I think he pulls the upset. And moving into what everyone pays for, the main card. It's loaded. There's a lot of fun stuff here. Starting at the very beginning, a bantamweight contest between Sean O'Malley and the 15th ranked bantamweight in the world, Ryan Paiva. Sean's odds to win are minus 305. Ryan's are plus 240. Sean O'Malley's been red hot since bursting onto the UFC scene. I'm going to roll with him, and after this one, I think if he wins, he deserves to be ranked. In a men's flyweight bout between number 6 ranked uh, men's flyweight in the world, Kai Kara France, and the number 7th ranked men's flyweight in the world, Cody Garbrandt. Garbrandt has minus 155 odds to win. However, I'm going to go with Kai Kiara France, and I think he gets it done. In a welterweight contest between the 12th ranked welterweight, Gioff Neal, and the 14th ranked welterweight, Santiago Panzimindo, both of them have minus 110 odds. However, I think that Santiago has a slight edge in this one. I don't know why. I just feel it. And in the co-main event, it is for the women's bantamweight title. The champion, Amanda Nunez, who is awesome, is taking on the third-ranked women's bantamweight, Juliana Pena. Amanda's odds to win are ginormous. They are minus 900, while Juliana's odds to win are plus 600. I mean... I feel like I would be a fool to take uh, Juliana Pena here. I am a fan of hers. She is a great, she is a phenomenal fighter. However, I just think Amanda Nunez, I think that she's going to give up that title when her career is over. I think that she is going to retire a champion. And moving on to the main event, number one ranked lightweight in the world, Dustin Poirier is taking on Charles Oliveira, who won the belt that was vacated by Khabib Nurmagomedov. Khabib vacated the belt when he retired after defeating Justin Gaethje um, last October. It sat vacant until Charles Oliveira defeated Mike Chandler for the belt back in May. So now, here we are. Dustin Poirier was able to defeat Conor McGregor at UFC 267 over the summer. Actually, it was earlier than that. I forget what the number was, but back in July, uh, Poirier won that fight. So here we are. Poirier is the number one ranked lightweight contender in the world. His odds are minus 160. Charles's odds are plus 140. I'm not sure how I'm feeling about this one. I definitely want Dustin to win, but you know he has shown that he's been vulnerable, although he has been red hot recently. So I think that I'm going to go with Dustin. For the sole reason I'm giving him the edge is Charles still has a lot to prove. He is a little inexperienced, so that is why I'm going to rock with Dustin Poirier. That's going to do it for the college basketball and UFC portion of today's show. When we come back, NFL Talk. This is the Eagle's Nest on Weagle 91.1 FM. Stay here. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Eagle's Nest on Weagle 91.1 FM. I'm your host, Daniel Locke. Before the break, we talked about college basketball and UFC 269. As always, if you missed that and want to hear it, the podcast version of today's show will be up shortly after we are done here. Now, let's get into some NFL talk. 
So NFL Week 13 was kind of, it had some highlights. It also had some low points, particularly for me. To kick off the week, my New Orleans Saints hosted the Dallas Cowboys on Thursday night football. And the Cowboys beat us 27-17. If you're a Saints fan, it feels a lot worse than that. Taysom Hill finally made his first start on the year. He went 19-41 of for 264 yards, two touchdowns, and four interceptions. If we can find a way to cut that from 4-1, to one, I think that the Saints may have had a shot. On the other side, Dak Prescott went 26-40 of 40 for 238 yards, good for one touchdown and one interception. So we definitely got beat in a quarterback battle, no question about it. Um, running the football, Taysom Hill picked up 101 yards off of 11 carries. Mark Ingram picked up 28 yards off 10 carries. Ty Montgomery, 21 yards off of 4 carries. And Deontay Harris got 3 yards off of 1 carry. On the other side, Tony Pollard picked up 71 yards and a touchdown off of 7 carries. Ezekiel Elliott had 45 yards off of 13 carries. That's one highlight for the Saints. They shut down Ezekiel Elliott. And in the receiving, Deontay Harris was the leading receiver for the Saints, getting 96 yards and a touchdown off of four catches. Little Jordan Humphrey, I love that guy, Texas Longhorn. He picked up 49 yards and one touchdown off of two catches. On the other side, CeeDee Lamb was Dallas's biggest receiver, picking up 89 yards off of seven catches. Dalton Schultz also had a good night, 43 yards off of five catches. Moving on to Sunday, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers beat the Atlanta Falcons on the road 30-17. Tom Brady had thrown the ball 51 times, completing 38 of those. He had four touchdowns and one interception. Matty Ice had 41 attempts, 30 of them complete for 297 yards. I, I think that Tampa Bay might be depending a little bit too much on Tom Brady, if I'm being perfectly honest. The Arizona Cardinals beat the Chicago Bears in Soldier Field 33-22. Kyler Murray went 11-15 of for 123 yards, two touchdowns. Andy Dalton went 26-41, of 229 yards, two touchdowns, four interceptions. Those are some Taysom Hill-type numbers there. James Conner picked up 75 yards off of 20 carries for Arizona. David Montgomery picked up 90 yards off of 21 carries for Chicago. Um, for the Bears, Jaquim Grant Sr. was the leading receiver with 62 yards and one touchdown off of five catches. And James Conner was the leading receiver for Arizona, picking up one touchdown and 36 yards off of two catches. The Cincinnati Bengals got routed by the L.A. Chargers, 41-22 at home. Joe Burrow was 24 of 40 for 300 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions. Justin Herbert was 26 of 35 for 317 yards, three touchdowns, and one interception. Austin Eckler was the leading rusher for the Chargers, picking up 59 yards and a touchdown off of 14 carries. Joe Mixon was the leading rusher for the Bengals, picking up 54 yards and a touchdown off of 19 carries. T. Higgins was the game's leading receiver picking up 138 yards and a touchdown off of nine catches. On the other side, Mike Williams picked up 110 yards off of five catches, and Jalen Guyton had 90 yards off of four catches. In a very exciting one to report, the Detroit Lions, God bless them, picked up their first win of the year. They knocked off the Minnesota Vikings 29-27 at Ford Field. you got to love this. I personally don't like the Vikings. Anyone who is a Saints fan does not, just because all the years of playoff miracles that they've been able to pull off against us. Not just the one you're all thinking of. If you look through the history, they've done that a lot. Not just in the playoffs, but a lot of times. And it was good to see Detroit in their suffering a little bit, just picking up one win. Jared Goff was 25 of 41 for 296 yards, three touchdowns, one interception. Kurt Cousins was 30 of 40 for 340 yards and two touchdowns. If you're a Vikings fan, I don't know why y'all get on Kurt Cousins so much. He is definitely not the problem. 
The leading rusher for the Lions was Jamal Williams. He had 71 yards off of 17 carries. On the other side, Alexander Madison had 90 yards off of 22 carries. Detroit's leading receiver was Amon Ross St. Brown with 86 yards off 10 catches. And on the other side for the Vikings, it was Justin Jefferson having a day, picking up 182 yards off of 11 catches. Moving on here, Indianapolis beat Houston 31 to nothing. I wish I could say I was shocked. So I'm going to run through these really quick before moving on to previewing this week. Miami beat the New York Giants 20 to nine. The Philadelphia Eagles traveled up to New Jersey to take on the Jets, winning 33 to 18. The Washington Football Team beat the Raiders 17 to 15 in Vegas. The Los Angeles Rams were able to kill the Jaguars 37-7 at home. Baltimore Baltimore traveled over to Pittsburgh, lost 20-19 in a very exciting game. Seattle hosted San Francisco, winning 30-23. Kansas City hosted Denver, winning 22-9. And on Monday Night Football, the New England Patriots traveled up to face off against the Buffalo Bills. Mac Jones went 2 of 3 for 19 yards, which I think is just about the worst stat line I've ever seen from a quarterback whose team won. Uh, Josh Allen was 15 of 30 for 145 yards and a touchdown. Damian Harris and Rich Ramondre Stevenson had good days for the Patriots on the ground, picking up 111 and 78 yards, respectively. So now moving into this week. I think that Pittsburgh will beat Minnesota tonight. Uh, Pittsburgh's looking hot. Minnesota's looking cold. I think that the Panthers will beat the Falcons at home on Sunday. Baltimore, I think they're going to get revenge on Cleveland on Sunday on the road. I think Seattle will pick up a win in Houston on Sunday. I think that Vegas will lose to Kansas City, traveling up there to barbecue country. I think my Saints go up to play the Jets in New Jersey. I really hope the Saints win. That would be pretty embarrassing if they don't. But, you know, anything can happen. So hopefully my Saints are not on the receiving end of an embarrassing upset. The Jacksonville Jaguars are going up to Nashville to face off against division rival Tennessee Titans. I think that Jacksonville is going to... Nah, I'm not going to say that. Tennessee is going to get this win. Tennessee has had a tendency to choke against lesser opponents, particularly at home this year. But I think that Jacksonville is just too bad to do that to them. The Washington football team hosts the Dallas Cowboys. I think that Dallas will pick up the win. The Detroit Lions, let's see. I don't think that they're going to make it two in a row against Denver this week down in Denver. I hope they do, but we'll see. The New York Giants are traveling over to L.A. to take on the Chargers. I think that the Chargers are going to win. Cincinnati, led by Joe Burrow, will host the 49ers. I think that the 49ers are going to win. And and I think this is America's Game of the Week. I don't see why it wouldn't be. 325 on CBS. Tampa Bay is hosting Buffalo. I would like to see Buffalo get back on the right track. However, I don't think they will. I think that Tampa Bay will win. On Sunday night football, the Green Bay Packers host the Chicago Bears. I don't see why Green Bay would not win this game. The Bears don't look that good right now. And to close out the week on Monday night football, Kyler Murray and the Arizona Cardinals welcome in the L.A. Rams, led by Matt Stafford and Aaron Donald. Let's see, this game is very intriguing. Um, ESPN's FPI is giving Arizona a 59.4% chance to win. The spread is 2.5 in favor of Arizona. The over-under is 51.5. And the money line is minus 135 for Arizona, plus 115 for L.A. Very intriguing matchup. However, I think that the home field advantage is going to be enough for the Cardinals to get it done. So now that we have kind of broken down last week and this week in the NFL, I'm just going to talk about the playoff picture a little bit as we only have four weeks left in the season. So right now, 
in the AFC East. The Patriots are leading the, the division. They have a decently comfortable lead there. I think that they're going to hold on to it, so I think that they're going to win that division. The AFC North at this point is very much wide open. I, I think the Bengals are going to rally at the right time and take it, however. The AFC South, I'm pretty sure the Titans, I don't, I don't see them losing this, although the Colts have been hot recently. And in the AFC West, I think that the Chiefs are going to be able to hold on there. Moving on to the NFC, I feel like the NFC East is Dallas's to lose. They're 8-4. and four. The football team is right behind them at 6-6. Six and six. Um, I don't see the football team taking the division. In the NFC North, the Green Bay Packers have pretty much run away with that one, having a 9-3 and three record. They're the only team in that division above 500, so I don't even know if there's a mathematical chance of them losing it at this point. Um, Tampa Bay is leading the NFC South. My Saints are in last or tied for second place at five and seven. And in the NFC West, you have the Arizona Cardinals in first at ten and two. The Rams are next at eight and four. I don't see the Rams taking it, but anything's possible. So we're just going to kind of have to see how that plays out the rest of the season. And that is all the time we have for NFL Talk today. When we come back, NBA and NHL, you're listening to the Eagle's Nest on Weagle 91.1 FM. Keep it here. Welcome back into the Eagle's Nest on Weagle 91.1 FM. I'm your host, Daniel Locke. So far today, we have covered college basketball, UFC, and NFL weeks 13 and 14. If you missed that and want to hear it, the podcast version of today's show will be up shortly after I finish up in here today. Now we are going to get into some NBA and NHL talk, starting out with the NBA. So it's been kind of, it's been an interesting week in the NBA, a lot of good games. I'm going to run through what's happened since Monday night first, then I'll give some stats and standings at this point. So starting off Monday night, the Philadelphia 76ers were able to go on the road and beat the Charlotte Hornets 127-124 to in overtime. Joel Embiid was the leader in points there with 43 for Philadelphia. Kelly Adubre Jr. had 35 for the Hornets. And this was two back-to-back wins for the 76ers that were just hard fought. They beat Atlanta in a very, very close one that came down to the last second um, on Friday night. So it was just interesting to see them do that twice in a row. The Oklahoma City Thunder knocked off the Detroit Pistons 114-103. Shy Gilchis Alexander had 30 points for Oklahoma City and Cade Cunningham at 28 for Detroit. I was just thinking, this is a horrible time to be a Detroit sports fan. Like All four of the teams are just... Less than stellar at this point. Hopefully that changes soon. Anyways, the Indiana Pacers hosted the Washington Wizards. Indiana got the win, 116-110. DeMontis Sabonis had 30 points for Indiana. Bradley Beal had 34 for Washington. The Miami Heat hosted the Memphis Grizzlies. Memphis won 105-90. Desmond Bain had 20. 21 points for Memphis, and Tyler Hero had 24 for Miami. The Chicago Bulls hosted the Denver Nuggets. The Bulls won 109-97. Zach Levine had 32 points. Will Barton had 19. The Milwaukee Bucks hosted the Cleveland Cavaliers. Milwaukee won 112-104. Giannis Antetokounmpo had 27 points. Jarrett Allen had 25 The Minnesota Timberwolves hosted the Atlanta Hawks. Atlanta was able to pull off the road win, 121-110. Trey Young had 29 points. Carl Anthony Towns had 31. The Phoenix Suns hosted the San Antonio Spurs. San Antonio played their heart out on the road, but it just wasn't enough as Phoenix won 108-104. Chris Paul had 21 for the Suns. DeJounte Murray had 17 for San Antonio. And the Golden State Warriors hosted the Orlando Magic. Golden State won 126-95. No surprise there. Steph Curry had 31 points. Gary Harris had 17. 
In the last game of Monday night, the Portland Trailblazers hosted the Clippers. The Clippers got it done 102-90. Paul George had 21 points, and Joseph Nierkic had 31. Moving on to Tuesday, the Dallas Mavericks hosted the Brooklyn Nets. Brooklyn won in a close one, 102-99. Kevin Durant was the leading scorer for Brooklyn with 24, and Luka Doncic was the leading scorer for Dallas with 28. The San Antonio Spurs hosted the New York Knicks, where New York won 121-109. R.J. Barrett at 32 for the Knicks, and Derek White at 26 for the Spurs. In the last game of Tuesday night, I didn't enjoy this one too much, as my my beloved Boston Celtics traveled to L.A. to face off against the Lakers, where they lost 117-102. LeBron had 30 points, and Jason Tatum had 34, so I can hold my hat on that at least. So last night, the Charlotte Hornets hosted the... Huh, interesting. The Charlotte Hornets hosted the 76ers again, which is interesting that they would play the same team that close together. But um, Philadelphia was able to pick up another close win. It wasn't as dramatic as the first, but they won 110-106. to Joel Embiid had 32 points. Gordon Hayward had 31. The Chicago Bulls traveled over to Cleveland to face the Cavaliers. The um, Cavaliers won 115-92. Darius Garland had 24, and Zach Levine had 23. The Washington Wizards traveled up to Detroit to play the Pistons. They were able to win 119-116 in overtime. Kyle Kuzma had 26 points, and Jeremy Grant had 28. The New York Knicks traveled down to Indianapolis to take on the Indiana Pacers, and Indiana won 122-102. Chris Duarte at 23, R.J. Barrett at 19. So at this point, I'm just going to kind of highlight what's exciting this weekend in the NBA. So tonight, there's some good matchups on. Utah is traveling to Philadelphia to take on the 76ers. The Memphis Grizzlies are hosting the L.A. Lakers. That's the ESPN game. I would highly encourage you to check that out. I personally think it's a little bit better than Monday or Thursday night football, so that's what I'll be watching. Tomorrow night, the Brooklyn Nets are taking on the Atlanta Hawks in Atlanta. I thought about going to this game briefly since I will still be down on the plains without much to do, but I have to make another trip to Atlanta the next day for holiday hoopsgiving when Auburn's taking on Nebraska, so I just decided to skip it. In a battle of two bad teams, New Orleans is hosting Detroit. I give the edge to New Orleans in that one. I think that they'll pick up their... It hasn't been very many. I think it's like four or five wins on the year. Saturday night, there's some good basketball on as Philadelphia hosts Golden State and San Antonio hosts Denver. And we close out the weekend strong on Monday... Or Sunday night, excuse me. With a couple good matchups, New York hosting Milwaukee and Portland hosting Minnesota. And that is this weekend in the NBA. Now, moving on to the NHL portion of this segment, one of my personal favorites. So, on Monday night, the Colorado Avalanche beat the Philadelphia Flyers 7-5 to in a high-scoring affair. That was pretty interesting to watch. The Washington Capitals beat the Anaheim Ducks 4-3 to in a shootout. The New Jersey Devils were able to knock off the Ottawa Senators. Uh, excuse me. Ottawa knocked off New Jersey 3-2 to in a shootout. I can't imagine that's happened too much in the history of the NHL. They have two shootouts in the same night. But Vancouver was able to handle the Kings pretty well at home, winning 4 to nothing. And the Seattle Kraken were not able to fare well against Pittsburgh, losing this one 6-1. So on Thursday, I mean, excuse me, Tuesday, we have a very high-scoring, fast-paced matchup. Toronto beat the Columbus Blue Jackets 5-4. Montreal hosted Tampa Bay. And the, the defending, the, the rematch of the Stanley Cup from last season did not go well for Montreal as Tampa Bay took it 3-2. The 
Anaheim Ducks were able to travel on the road to Buffalo and beat the Sabres 2 to nothing. The St. Louis Blues hosted the Florida Panthers where they would win 4 to 3 in a shootout. So moving on to Wednesday, the Boston Bruins not lost to the Vancouver Canucks on the road 2 to 1 in a shootout. This one was hard to watch. Just very man, I I wish Boston could have pulled that one out. That would have been cool. So there's a lot of good hockey on tonight. All of it is on ESPN+. Tampa Bay at Toronto, Chicago at Montreal, Anaheim at Columbus, Nashville at the New York Islanders, Detroit at St. Louis, Carolina at Calgary, Boston at Edmonton. We'll see how my Bruins defense can do against the scoring tandem of Connor McDavid and Irante Antel. The Winnipeg Jets are facing off against the Seattle Kraken. The Dallas Stars facing off against the LA Kings. And the Minnesota Wild facing off against the San Jose Sharks. Tomorrow night, there's some good hockey on as well. Once again, every single game I'm about to mention is on ESPN+. The New York Rangers are taking on the Buffalo Sabres. The Pittsburgh Penguins are facing off against the Washington Capitals. Nashville Predators at New Jersey Nets, Detroit Red Wings at Colorado Avalanche, Florida Panthers at Arizona Coyotes, Winnipeg Jets at Vancouver Canucks, Philadelphia Flyers at Vegas Golden Knights. I will definitely be watching that Philadelphia-Vegas game. I'm interested to see how Philadelphia can do after firing their coach. So, once again, Saturday and Sunday, the hockey weekend closes out strong. Once again, every game on ESPN+, Plus. so watch some hockey. No reason not to. Um, just the highlights, Tampa Bay at Ottawa, that'll be good. Washington at Buffalo. Chicago at Toronto. Anaheim at Pittsburgh. Montreal at St. Louis. That's, that's a game I've circled on Saturday. That'll be pretty good. New Jersey Devils at New York Islanders. The Philadelphia Flyers facing off against the Arizona Coyotes. I always love watching teams play that don't get to play a lot. It's very interesting to see how they do. My Boston Bruins are traveling out to Calgary to take on the Flames. I'm looking forward to this one. I really hope the Bruins can win. I'll be doing a two-TV setup for this one. I'll have UFC on the big TV, and my little TV will have this game on. For Carolina at Edmonton, Columbus at Seattle, Minnesota at Los Angeles, Dallas at San Jose. And then moving on Sunday, the hockey weekend closes out very strong. Nashville at New York will be good. Anaheim at St. Louis, Florida at Colorado, Minnesota at Vegas, and Carolina at Vancouver. Please, if you have ESPN+, check out some NHL action this weekend. For people who live in this southeast region of the country, like most of my listeners, this is a golden time. Hockey is more accessible than it ever has been, so you would be doing yourself a disservice if you were to not check out some NHL action every now and then. So real quick, I'm going to run through the standings um, at this point in the year. I'm just going to give you the top four from every division because that is really what matters for the playoffs nowadays. So in the Eastern Conference, in the Atlantic Division, Florida 1, Toronto 2, Tampa Bay 3, Detroit 4. My Boston Bruins are hanging on right behind the Red Wings there. Hopefully as time goes on, they'll be able to take over that fourth spot, maybe even move up. In the Metropolitan, Washington 1, New York 2, Carolina 3, Pittsburgh 4. Moving over to the Western Conference, Minnesota 1, Colorado 2, St. Louis 3, Nashville 4. And moving on to the Pacific, Calgary 1, which is surprising, Anaheim 2, surprising, Edmonton 3, surprising, and Vegas 4. Not as surprising, but still just kind of weird. It's weird when a team that's kind of not been good starts to do really well. It just doesn't feel right. But it's good to see. That is going to do it for NBA and NHL talk today. After the break, we will move into college football. You're listening to the Eagle's Nest on Weagle 91.1 FM. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back into the Eagle's Nest on Weagle 91.1 FM. I'm your host, Daniel Locke. It has been a lot of fun so far today. We have discussed college basketball, 
UFC 269, NFL Weeks 13 and 14, NBA and NHL. If you missed any of that, the podcast version of today's show will be up shortly after I am done here today. But we're going to close out today with something that we all love, a very, very popular thing around here, and something that we do not have too much longer to talk about left on the Eagle's Nest. We have this show and my first show of the next semester. We will know who the national champion is, so I'll just do a little recap of the bowl season. But let's get into some college football. So conference championship week was pretty fun. A lot of crazy stuff happened, a lot of upsets. So, you know, we'll just kind of run through it. So on Friday night in the Big 12, excuse me, Pac-12 championship game in Las Vegas, the Utah Utes were facing off against the Oregon Ducks. And Utah was able to absolutely rout Oregon, winning the game 38-10, which I didn't see coming at all. It, it was nuts. I thought that Oregon would win, and it'd be close. In the Conference USA Championship game, the University of Texas at San Antonio Roadrunners were able to knock off the Western Kentucky Hilltoppers 49-41, very fast-paced, very fun. I had a great time watching this one. In the SEC championship game, the Alabama Crimson Tide knocked off the Georgia Bulldogs 41-24. As an Auburn student and a big Auburn fan, this, these, these Alabama-Georgia games in the, the postseason are just our worst nightmare. But I was rooting for Alabama this time. If they win another national championship, it doesn't really matter that much. If Georgia wins, we don't get to make 1980 jokes anymore. So that's why I was going with Alabama. But obviously they both, they both made the playoff anyway, so it's a little bit obsolete. In the Big Ten Championship game, the Michigan Wolverines destroyed the Iowa Hawkeyes 42-3. I really thought that Iowa would be more competitive than that. In the American Athletic Conference Championship game, the Cincinnati Bearcats punched their ticket into the college football playoff, knocking off the Houston Cougars 35-20. In the Big 12 championship game, the Oklahoma State Cowboys were not able to convert on a crucial fourth and goal as they would lose 21-16 to the Baylor Bears. They showed that in the Auburn Arena, and that was crazy. In the ACC championship game, the Pitt Panthers were able to knock off the Wake Forest Demon Deacons 45 to 21. That's another one. I thought that would be a lot closer, but that game in Charlotte would not prove that to be the case. In the Sunbelt Conference Championship game, Louisiana Lafayette was able to beat App State 24 to 16. Last January, I predicted that ULL would face off against Coastal Carolina in the Sunbelt Conference Championship game. I got one half correct. In the MAC championship game, Northern Illinois faced off against Kent State, winning 41-23. In the Mountain West Athletic um, Conference championship game, San Diego knocked off, no, excuse me, Utah State pulled off an ultimate upset against San Diego State, winning 46-13. I did not see that coming, but, you know, that's college football for you. And in the... USC versus Cal game. This game was not the Pac-12 championship game. It just got postponed this week. Cal beat UCLA 24-14. Oh, excuse me, USC. So it'll be interesting to see how the Trojans can bounce back with Lincoln Riley leading the program next season. So real quick, before we get into bowl project projections, it is Army-Navy week. Army has looked very sharp this year. Navy, not so much. ESPN's FPI is giving Army an 82.3% chance to win. However, it's a rivalry game, so the spread is only 7 in favor of Army. I, I do think the Army's going to win, but you know I'm looking forward to watching that one. I'll, I always love that game. It's, just, it's so special. You can tell there's something different about it, so I am looking forward to seeing how it goes. Now, let's move into some bowl games. 
In the Bahamas Bowl, Toledo is facing off against Middle Tennessee. I think that Toledo is going to win. In the Tail Greeter Cure Bowl, Coastal Carolina facing off against Northern Illinois. I think that Coastal is going to win that one. In the RoofClaim.com Boca Raton Bowl, I think that Appalachian State is going to knock off Western Kentucky. In the PUBG Mobile New Mexico Bowl, I think that Fresno State is going to beat University of Texas at El Paso. In the Radiance Technologies Independence Bowl, the UAB Blazers are taking on the 13th ranked BYU Cougars. I think that BYU is going to be able to get that one done. In the Lending Tree Bowl, Eastern Michigan is taking on Liberty. I'm going to go with Liberty. In the Jimmy Kimmel LA Bowl, I'm going with Oregon State over Utah State. In the RL Carriers New Orleans Bowl, I'm going to go with number 23, Louisiana Lafayette. It's basically a home game for them, playing in the Superdome in New Orleans. In the Myrtle Beach Bowl, I think that Tulsa is going to beat Old Dominion. In the famous Iowa-Idaho Potato Bowl, Kent State versus Wyoming. Give me Kent State. In the Tropical Smoothie Cafe Frisco Bowl, number 24, San Diego State versus UTSA. Give me San Diego State. In the Lockheed Martin Armed Forces Bowl, Army is hosting Missouri. I think that I think that Army's gonna pull that one off. I think they're gonna get the win. Miami of Ohio faces off against North Texas in the Frisco Football Classic. Give me North Texas. In the Union Home Mortgage Gasparilla Bowl, the Florida Gators are facing off against the UCF Golden Knights. It's pretty funny seeing these two teams play in Tampa, not that far from either school. I'm going to go with the Gators, though. I think that Florida gets it done against Gus Malzahn and UCF. It's funny that the University of Hawaii will play the Hawaii Bowl in their home stadium against Memphis. I think that Memphis will get it done. In the Tax Act, Camellia Bowl in Montgomery, Georgia State versus Ball State. My advice to Ball State Watch out. Georgia State is not one to be messed with. Auburn fans will tell you that in all honesty. In the Quick Lane Bowl, Nevada versus Western Michigan. Give me Nevada. In the Military Bowl, Boston College versus East Carolina. I'm going with Boston College. In the Ticket Smarter Birmingham Bowl, I will be attending this one with my mom. Um, It's part of my Christmas, but... I think that Auburn is going to get it done against Houston. Every time I'm optimistic about Auburn, something good happens. Every time I'm down, it dumps on them. They tend to lose, so we're going to try out the optimism thing. In the Serve Pro First Responder Bowl, Air Force versus Louisville. Give me Louisville. In the Liberty Bowl, Mississippi State versus Texas Tech. I'm going to go with Mississippi State. In the San Diego County Credit Union Holiday Bowl. Man, that's a long name. NC State faces off against UCLA. Give me NC State. And in the Guaranteed Rate Bowl, West Virginia versus Minnesota. I'm going with Minnesota. In the Wasabi Fenway Bowl, played in Fenway Park in Boston, Massachusetts, a place I love very much. Virginia is taking on SMU. I'm going to go with the Cavaliers. In the New Era Pinstripe Bowl, in the Yankee Stadium in the Bronx, New York, Virginia Tech versus Maryland. I think that Tulia Tungvaloa is going to carry Maryland to victory in that one. In the Cheez-It Bowl, number 19, Clemson taking on Iowa State down in Orlando. Give me Clemson. In the Alamo Bowl, number 14, Oregon. Number 16, Oklahoma in San Antonio, Texas. Give me Oklahoma. In the Dukes-Mayo Bowl, we have South Carolina versus North Carolina. I remember back in the early 2010s when it was tradition to kick off the college football season with this one. Give me South Carolina. In the Music City Bowl, Tennessee versus Purdue. Give me Purdue. In the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl, Pitt versus Michigan State. Give me Michigan State. And in the Las Vegas Bowl, Arizona State versus Wisconsin. Give me Wisconsin. In the Gator Bowl, Wake Forest versus Texas A&M. Give me Texas A&M. In the Sun Bowl, Washington State versus Miami. Give me Miami. In the Barstool Sports, Arizona Bowl, Central Michigan versus Boise State. Give me Boise State. In the Outback Bowl, Penn State versus Arkansas. Give me Arkansas. 
in the Fiesta Bowl. Number five, Notre Dame. Number nine, Oklahoma State. Give me Notre Dame. In the Citrus Bowl, number 22, Kentucky. Number 15, Iowa. I'm going to take Iowa. In the Rose Bowl, number six, Ohio State. Number 11, Utah. Give me Ohio State. And in the Sugar Bowl, number seven, Baylor. Number eight, Ole Miss. Give me Ole Miss. And in the Tax Act, Texas Bowl, LSU versus Kansas State, I'm going to take LSU. And in the four college football playoff, or the two college football playoff games taking place on Friday, December 31st, in the Cotton Bowl, out number one Alabama at number four Cincinnati. Um, that one's at 2:30. You know, give me Alabama. I don't even know what the spread is, but I I do not see Cincy winning that game. However, if Cincinnati would win, that would make me pretty happy. In the Capital One Orange Bowl. 6.30 p.m. on Friday, December 31st. Number two, Michigan. Number three, Georgia. You know, give me Michigan. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take Michigan on the upset. Um, I think that that is what's going to happen. And that gives us Alabama and Michigan in the national championship game. Alabama would definitely be the favorite. But this Michigan team has showed that they're not scared of diverse or diversity. They're not scared of adversity. I think that Michigan would not win the game. I think that Alabama would win their 19th national championship if that were to be the case. And that is about all the time we have here today. Thank you for listening and making this semester so special from my first episode all the way up to today. I've really enjoyed talking about sports with you all. It's been nice. The tweets, the DMs, the my guests here at Weagle have come on. Jacob Hillman, Dylan Lark, Jacob Goins, thank you guys so much. Thank you for your support, and I look forward to speaking with you all next semester. I hope you have a great Christmas and a happy new year. I will speak with you in January. Have a great day. Have a great break in War Eagle. You've been listening to The Eagle's Nest with Daniel Locke on Weagle 91.1 FM. Be sure to tune in next Thursday at 3 o'clock for more sports action on the Plains. As always, if you miss out, you can catch the podcast on Spotify, Apple Music, or wherever you find your podcast. You can also follow me on Instagram at TheDanielLock. Until next time, have a great day and we're equal.